Passage, la nouvelle série de podcasts de l'Institut français. Un échange libre et sans modérateur entre une personnalité des mondes francophones et une personnalité néerlandaise sur des thèmes qui leur sont chers. So cool to see you, Camille. Yeah, happy Very to finally nice. see you there. Yeah, um, and it's lovely to have a conversation on climate activism. Um, for the listeners, my name is Lena Hartog. I'm a climate activist for eight years now in uh, based in Amsterdam, but currently mainly working on supporting climate activists with the International Center for Future Generations. And uh, yeah, know a lot about movements. I'm very excited to hear a bit more about your movement and everything you're doing, Camille. Yeah, me, I'm a younger climate activist, mm -hmm. 24 years old, so it's not... So I feel it's, it's been... I've been doing this for ages, but uh, actually not that much. And um, I'm a climate activist from France, and I'm currently mostly working on um, deep sea mining that I just came out, and also uh, against the biggest pipeline, Etit pipeline, that is going to be built between Uganda and Tanzania by your French company, Total Energy. So this is, yeah, my main two big topics um, I'm working on right now. Yeah, cool. And I think for the, like, climate activism has become uh, much more normal, like, finally and happily so. But probably a lot of people who listen maybe <coughs> don't even know Why would anyone become a climate <laughs> activist? Like I, I remember when I became one, I was also like, I, I've never expected that to happen. Like, what was for you the, the kind of starting point? Yeah, well, it's funny because then it's the question everyone asks when you are becoming a climate activist because they kind of wait for these things that came to you, you know, like the revelation, and then you, you <laughs> then you in French we said the click, and then you say, okay, yeah, I see the light, and now like you know, like God and. Finally, I became a climate activist. Like there's no returns, but the, the reality is slightly different. Um, and for sure, it's easily for us to tell us a story after the fact. So if I think of it, and for a long times I just answer this question by saying, um, I'm the lucky one that I've been raised in the middle of a mountain uh, with with parents that were really close from nature. Um, so yeah, this for sure gives me a special sens sensitivity uh, to nature and to the fact that we as human beings are destroying these things that I love so much. Um, but this is just my story, but it's not how everyone should uh, become a climate activist. I do believe it's important for us to tell the truth, which is you always doubt. Uh, you have no idea what we're doing. We're just doing our best. Uh, this is not something that you choose so much. It's something that really, uh, it's inside your belly. And I, I'm a climate activist because otherwise I would not support the world, to be honest. Uh, so it's like an anger. Uh, it's like um, indignation that I turns into action. And then uh, other people start to define myself as a climate activist. And then I'm like, okay, maybe it's what I'm doing. Uh, but yeah, it's important to tell that no one should wait for something that just suddenly are going to come up. Because if we tell this story, uh, that makes people feel that they don't have the chance to, to, to meet it, maybe. That maybe they can just oppose climate activists forever or just shame climate activists forever, whatever they, th they think about them. But that's not for them. But what we really need, if we want to win, is that everyone, every single person, just take the climate action at the center of his life. Uh, this is for me how we can maybe have some chance to, to, to win this fight. Mm. What about you? Yeah, yeah, no, I do recognize what you say. The, I think they also call it the kind of heroification of, yeah, of exactly. activists, where it's also this idea of that there is the climate activist people and then there's the rest of us, which I which I don't really agree with. And I also Same. 
I am a human person, like most of all, and someone who is deeply concerned about social inequality, but currently uh, even more about the climate crisis. And I work on that in many different ways, one of which is activism. That's that's a bit how it is for me. And for me, quite concretely, I I studied sociology, which is a lot about social inequality, and I was planning to work more on uh, children and on children inequality. And at some point I started reading about the climate crisis, and I always thought... The climate crisis is more for people who study e ecological science. It's not for the social scientists. And then when I read a book by Naomi Klein, uh, This Changes Everything, I can strongly recommend it to, to anyone. Um, I realized, she, I think she literally said like, we need everyone. We need the sociologists, the political theorists, the philosophers. Uh, so I felt very called upon to at least start engaging with it. And since then, it's become a very central part of my life, but not just because I'm a an activist, but more because I believe that we are at this turning point in history where all of us will move to something completely different. So I'm dismantling the systems that don't work in myself. I'm dismantling them in society as much as I can. And that, if that makes me a climate activist, if that's the mm. best term for it, then I'm happy to embrace that. Um, but same as you, I like to focus on climate action and that term and having everyone find their role in bringing change and having an influence uh, rather than saying there's some activists and there's some uh, not. And that's a bit, yeah. Do you recognize so much when you say, because just in the process I used to, I received, I'm lucky to receive like a ton, at least to be honest, 10 message a day that people just tell me, um, I want to do something, but where should I start? Uh, what I, what can I do? I, I'm lost, I don't know, tell me something. And then I used to answer by this question saying, okay, so we get an action this day, you can join us in a march, then there's a protest here, then we're going to have to see the disobedience there, then you can sign a petition, blah, blah, blah. But that, that that's useful and cool for us because it's bring more and more people, we become massive and more powerful. But it's still um, tiny, it's still too small for what we have to do so for now what I, what I actually say is like by asking other Christian um, saying you know what you have to do I mean like who are you tell me uh, what you like if, if you don't like to be surrounded by people but you're super super good at like drawing that's so cool because we need uh, big big drawing art, art painting things for an action or if you work on bank uh, great you can explain us and find some really really useful data to see if this special bank is actually financing this pipeline and blah 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 and you know this and now that I started like a year ago I would say um, having this strategy it changed everything because then we become like this huge army that is everywhere not always the people that you actually see not always people that, that just claim it publicly but we get people every single in every single place and that's huge even in the in the biggest oil company in France Total Energy I speak so much with people inside this uh, not trying to convince and stuff I'm talking about people that are deeply convinced with what I am saying with our fight and that just uh, discreetly gives us the best um, the best data we need uh, you know that kind of thing so I think it's really important as well to to realize that uh, as you said what, what, pe what people have to feel is like find why they wake up in the morning what really moves them and use it to change the, the this paradigm that the paradigm we are in now is like destroying life on hers, which is not a good path, I think. So if we want to keep living on this beautiful planet, then maybe like use what really we like we, and we do with patience so that we won't have um, the impression of working. We just have the impression of really changing the way we behave and the way we, we être au monde is what we say in French. 
What is this? Être, être au monde. It's like <laughs> philosophical concept, so I can't translate this so much. <laughs> yeah. It's like the way you, you are present on the planet, but it's, it mm. looks shitty with my English. So. A bit like embodiment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah I would say. Yeah. Être de monde. Yeah. Être <laughs> yeah. au monde. <laughs> yeah, and it's cool to maybe dive into, like, with the, with the think tank I'm working with, we are always looking at how do activists actually move from this campaign target, like uh, usually a problem with a specific uh, policy demand, to actually then build a campaign to influencing people. And I think the example you give, I'm quite curious, like for a huge target like Total, because you talked a bit about involving employees with that as well. Yeah. Like what is the, like from the start, so at some point you discover, I want to do something about it. Like how does that go? And then how do you move to finding out which, yeah, mm. how you actually build that campaign? I think, I think it will be interesting so for cool. people just to know a bit of yeah. the practicalities of it. Sure, I'll try to make, to make it short because it's been a year and a half that I'm working <laughs> on this shit, but it's really, really so good. Like uh, the, the really first thing was, um, so there were like, we were five people and there was Louisa Bauer. So the good thing is that also, I'm lucky to have these girls band all over Europe uh, that we know from the media and stuff. And so we became like really close friends and we know we can count on each other. So it was good, like kind of, uh, um, Terry call like red button that we can punch in in case of emergency like uh, Louisa did a few weeks ago saying oh you only took him to Luzerats and like uh, two days after they were Greta they were Adelaide they were me and like all we came with all our pr press from the our country and stuff and so like Louisa came to France with Dominica from Poland with um, climate activists from Uganda so it was like a bunch of ten people I would say and she came and said Camille we're coming to France to talk about the ECO pipeline uh, I was like what is that I, I have ever heard never <laughs> heard about this and I just spent 24 hours a day working well not I mean I sleep sometimes but I, I spent my whole time working on climate change and there were the biggest ET pipeline in the world that is going to be built by a French company, and I did not know about this. It turns out that there were like a tiny uh, Friends of the Earth friends that were doing a, uh, a trial about this already, but that there was that really keeps tiny and like no nobody really heard about this before. So um, we were like, okay, we are ten people, ten people, and then there is the biggest company in France. How can we do this? And you know uh, what? Actually, in, in philosophy, because I study philosophy, intelligentsia, like uh, the, the the cleverness, is actually the um, what we say pelote de laine is like um, in what we say in philosophy that it's like when you get a lot of uh, things stuck, and then you have to take slowly by slowly, mm -hmm. you know, and just try to like find it. yeah, like entangle this. That's yeah, that's yeah, word. Yeah. Entangle yeah. this. So it's what we did. So first. We try to uh, choose the political side. So saying, is French government supporting this? Yeah, because the basics, there is a pipeline. Yeah, so a French company is actually planning to build a pipeline in Uganda. Yeah, that's the, ba that's the basic that's problem. The thing. Yeah, 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 and it's the and biggest heated pipeline. And so that that's really terrific. There's a lot of people that are going to be displaced and stuff and stuff. It's new colonial as fuck. I mean, not everything is wrong with this. <laughs> so we had to, to do this. And so first we said, okay, is our French government uh, supporting this? So we went into a public meeting where there were a lot of uh, of, uh, of people that with a lot of power in France. And we just started asking a question saying, hey, excuse me, we were wondering, uh, do you support this? Have you heard about this? And so we just filmed this with a, with an iPhone and uh, they, they just answered blah, 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 like something. We like, they, they start escaping and say, mm, this is weird. And then we just 
filmed this and then put it on social media, then the press started to say, oh, this is weird. Why are they not answering to this really simple question? Are there actually something that we don't know? And then like the, the people, the, the press started looking at these topics and it became such a thing um, that I refused to... So to make a, a topics actually become big, I refused to to answer any interview that did not talk about these topics. Mm-hmm. So every time I say, okay, yeah, I'm happy to, to answer your, your question, but then you have to talk about the eco pipeline. And first, sometimes it was funny because they just they just don't know about this, so they show me the wrong pipeline, and I have to, you know. And then it became such a thing that now, was when Emmanuel Macron is uh, having a, a one-hour interview, one of the questions is about ECOP. So this is so cool. But then after we had to uh, to see, okay, who is financing the pipeline? Because without money, they can't do it. So we start working with bank. So we just called and find people uh, saying, hey, uh, how. The, how how does it work? How do we finance the pipeline? And then they explain us that um, you can actually know if your money is um, is supporting indirectly this specific pipeline. So then we find people that are that were really good with computer, like really geek people from Harvard. And I didn't know anything about this, but they said, "Oh, first it's simple. We can make you like a an app, and then you just have to click on here, saying, oh, okay, I have uh, 10,000 euros in uh, this specific bank.' So it takes like one one minute for the for for the the people to do this, and then it can directly send an email to the representative of your bank saying, "Oh, uh, I get like 100 euro. This this is financing a pipeline. I don't want my money to finance this. So please." We move, and so we did this action, and so thousands, thousands of emails have been sent, and so many banks actually dropped. Uh, so they, they decided not to finance anymore. So we played on reputation, so because attacking this huge total energy is too big. So we had to, you know, take the steps. So first the government, then the bank, then now the insurance, and so for the insurance, so there is this marketplace of insurers because without any insurers they can't do this. Uh, so we went to to London, and I just make a story saying, hey, I'm in London. There's this huge marketplace of insurers. Uh, we need them to drop. Who is in? Who want to join? And we were only like four people that came out, uh, and we just make a sign saying, uh, um, you know, the the thing that you see in social media saying you should not insure ECOP. Change my mind. And we went there every single day for three months. I just tried the two co- first day, and then I go back to Paris, and then people start to come over and just sign for one hour, another hour, another hour at the lunch break. And so every time they're just a representative from different insurance, and we get more than a 20, like I would say, like 30, now that I'm talking, yeah, 13, sorry, that that actually dropped. So now they are having our time finding an insurance. Well, I could talk for a long time about this, but just to, to let you know that now the pipeline is late, um, we don't know yet if they're going finally to make it or not. There's many chances that we just lose. But what I really find so interesting with this is that we actually are telling the story that they can't decide without us. Taking fossil fuel out of the soil isn't something that just company can decide lonely. That, that just put everyone at danger, so we are not going to let them do this. And uh, the good thing with this is that we have been artists that make special songs, dancers that dance in the in the thing. We, we've got like people working in banks, people working in computers, people working in insurers and, and so on and so on and so on and so on that actually help us really strategically, precisely to build this campaign. Mm. So cool. And it's, I think it's, yeah. It I think it's really, that. I think it's also good, like what I love about your story is the the small wins in every step because that's, I think, with anyone working on the climate crisis, the big win 
we I think we will not have right like the climate crisis is already irreversible mm. what we can now do is make sure we do it as well as possible as humane as possible save as many lives as possible and every step along the way gives us motivation to continue right yeah. so even if if Macron talks about something it means you won if you change the debate it means you won if people employees in the company actually want to join it means you won as well yeah and even if we lose for this one it, it will say that for uh, before building another pipeline and we say oh my god it's going to be so annoying please people working at the bank saying okay please just, just go out go read of oil because like we're going to have all the climate activists that just came to every of our meeting and it's just so much money in security so please just drop this you know it's also about this we yeah. change reputation what we accept what we don't accept as a society this is what change even if we lose the, big, the biggest the uh, biggest fight that's it said. yeah and that's i think also the the difficult impact of climate activism that's impossible to measure is what would happen if we wouldn't be there right because there's this so. huge uh, lobby from the fossil industry going on behind walls and none of us knows what exactly is going on but we know how much money is going there right yeah. millions and millions of euro while We in our volunteer time, often some NGOs in pay time, try to compensate for that. And I think what you highlight is super interesting. This thing, okay, now at least we know every new fossil fuel company in France that wants to build a pipeline, they know we're watching, right? Exactly. Like, and I think that's a super, it's a super, yeah, it's a way less highlighted aspect. It's also something I know from, a, um, when I started with my activism I first started in my own life. So I started like, oh, I'm going to be like uh, zero waste. I'm going to stop flying. I'm going to do all those things. And especially with, uh, with flying, I got so frustrated because I realized, oh my God, there are a whole system for trains in Europe. It's so much more expensive. It's harder mm. to book a ticket. And I think the same way what I heard in your story about starting from this like general surprise and frustration, like huh, why is policy on aviation mm. so different? Same like, why is no one talking about this pipeline? Mm. This curiosity then brought us to actually start thinking, okay, if aviation isn't tackled by our local government, because we started asking local mm. politicians in the Netherlands, why is there no, for example, tax on kerosene, which is crazy. Like on, on, on fossil fuel for cars, we pay tax for yeah. aviation, we don't. Um, and then that same, and I think that's for anyone who's interested in, in doing something with activism, it's always like, at which arena is it the most logical? So with aviation, we quickly found out the Dutch government says, and the politicians literally told us, we can't decide on this because this is international policy. So then we decided, okay, let's see if we can go to the international stage, which is the conference of parties, so the COP, mm. and highlight the topic of aviation there. Um, so we organized a sailing trip. That's also, I think, how we know each other from, mm. a, from a separate friend um, that I met on board. And we, we organized this sailing trip to not only talk about the lack of policy on aviation, but to also come with solutions. Like this is what the travel industry could look like and might look like um, and uh, ch change policy in that sense. And I think from looking at the, the reality of activism, I think a lot of it is also very connected to research to every step to start to find out okay if i want to change local policy i go to the municipality if i want to change national policy i have to start engaging nationally if i need to go higher i need to go internationally to yeah what they're doing at the at the conference of party as well um, and i do i do think for the type of activism that's at an international scale we might not need everyone but we do absolutely need everyone in every organization in every company mm -hmm. in every municipality and even without calling yourself an activist, you can start doing that work. Exactly. Out. Exactly, and specifically that <coughs> also something um, I'm, I'm often um, asked is like, uh, 
the the daily reality of vegan activism, and I think we we really need to to deconstruct this, uh, as you said, this erasation because of course there is a certain privilege of being an activism. I mean, um, I'm I'm not coming. I'm coming from middle class. I was like a bourseur, so within France, like I get some grant for doing my studies and stuff. But still, I am lucky to have parents that support me, like uh, mentally that that, that do, I don't have any pressure for this. I do. I can do civil disobedience because also I'm a white woman. So I mean, I I am less scared of police than if I were black or if I were like a uh, from other minority uh, there. So, of course, like we need to take into account that what we are doing is privilege activism uh, for sure. But with privilege comes responsibility uh, for me. So yeah, just I don't know what is for you like a, a how does it look like like a being a daily like your daily routine of activism? <laughs> yeah. I wake up. This is my skincare routine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you mean the rest. No, so I think I'm also now. Um, yeah, I started when I was 22. I'm 30 now, and this is the first job I have, like full time job for the longer term. Uh, that lets me work on activism. So it took me around seven years. Um, and before that, I've had like temporary jobs a bit related to activism. I had freelance jobs for three days a week. That's what I would often do. Like I work for three days a week. I don't spend too much. Then I have four days a week to do activism, to organize stuff voluntarily. Mm. Um, so that's part of the reality for me. And now, uh, now it's a bit different because now in my job, I get to support activists financially, strategically. Um, so it fe feels much more stable for the first time. Uh, which I'm very lucky with. I'm very happy lucky. with. And <laughs> some of the activists we're supporting because the think tank I work for both does think tank work and as well as philanthropy. So that's also my mission with the work is to make it more possible for other activists around Europe to also actually do their work. So we're funding, for example, a Polish group of activists, you know them as well. Mm -hmm. And th when they started, they were like 20, you know, like they didn't have any income next to it. Their parents already started worrying like, okay, where is your future going? How do you have enough time? And then we were able to give them a small grant, not just for them, but especially to build a camp for the whole region of Eastern Europe to build capacity within activists. Because a lot of people might wonder like where the cost is of activism, because going to the street with a sign, like you can take the cardboard mm. from your pizza, right? But then making flyers, building actually capacity to have weekends, train travel, like just train accommodation travel. and logistics cost a lot of money. And those are all, it's not huge amounts of money, but even a little bit helps as well. So you now do see this huge scene of uh, philanthropy going towards supporting grassroots activists because everyone is starting to understand that activists are crucial in societal change. So if we want to reach the climate targets, it's also important to invest in activists because um, otherwise no one can do it. Because I'm also curious for you, you're like, mm. you're 25. Like, yeah, do you, almost. Uh, yeah, do you... Um, Almost. Do you work next to your activism? Do you do what I did a bit, like some yeah. freelancing and then some activism? Are you lucky yeah, yeah, to it's, be paid it's a for bit it? of chaos. No, I don't have the best business model, <laughs> for, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> and I do study economy, which is a shame because I'm. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's as you said. I mean, uh, we nobody like especially in 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 Europe. You're not. Pay, I mean, in in the states, maybe be difference with like the charity kind of culture. But in France, at least, you're not getting paid for being an activist. I mean, you can work on on specific NGOs, but if you're activist as I am, saying that uh, I'm never working alone. Of course, I'm always organizing things with many different NGOs and special topics, expert and stuff. And that answer the question about my daily life. Like uh, uh, there's not such a, a single day that that uh, looks like another, but 
um, it's like okay, uh, spreading things in the media, uh, try to raise awareness. Um, also working a lot with scientists that just uh, um, give us the, the the main things they want to exist in the public uh, on the public sphere. Um, so this is take, taking me a lot of time, but I, I think it do matters for me so much to give the the power to people. You have first to give them the knowledge as well. Then uh, organizing all this. So there's the social media part that we saw, but then there's many things that you have to do. When you when we plan an action uh, that they just automatically send an email to uh, such a representative, then we need to find out the, the, the contact of this to be strategic and ask, okay, wh who should we send this? Who is the responsibility person to read the email, to 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 build all the the electronic things and to, to make it work and so on and so on. Um, then also I have a lot of uh, lobbying uh, um, meetings that I that that I don't say publicly, but a lot with uh, representative ministers, uh, diplomats, and stuff like this. Um, and so all of this, I'm not getting paid, and and, and it even costs me money to do this. You know, to go travel some on places in Europe. Gonna go to the European Parliament next week. I'm paying my train ticket for for going there. Um, but then, so in order to pay this, I'm I'm like uh, working uh, on the side. So, but it's it's like always related. And once again, I'm a super lucky one because I'm I'm getting be public in France, so I can lead conferences sometimes and get paid for this. Um, writing a book, you see that, that also that helps me. And I'm uh, playing at the theater. I just like reading a uh, text from Georges Sand. Um, so these really tiny things that mixed heart and uh, heart and uh, and climate change because it's uh, also something for me that is super super powerful using uh, music, dance, things like this. So yeah, uh, but it's not something that you can do for ages. I mean, if I plan at some point to get a family, like get kids and stuff, I can't do it like this because someone's, I mean, I'm, I'm once again, I'm super lucky and I'm not complaining, but you can't tell to people just having this chaos life forever. It's not for everyone. And if you have a grant that you have, like something you have to pay back your studies, if you have to pay back then you have to have some kind of stability as well. Um, so I think what, what you are doing with your job is super, super important for us because it would help more and more people to get engaged. Uh, otherwise, they don't have time to do so because they have to work for their daily life. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it, it, does relate, yeah, it does relate to what we talked about at the start, this question of, like, who is a climate activist? And is, mm. it Im like, is that the question? Or I think, I think both of us agree it's more about how can as many people as possible do climate action? And I think for the small group of people that kind of drives the climate movement and does it full time, I'm very happy that we can support them with grants. Exactly. But for me, the bigger question is how can anyone in any place start behaving like a climate activist as well? Even if you take two hours of your week exactly. to, for example, question your board like, hey, what is our sustainability policy right now? Or you take two hours to sit with your friends, some of whom might work in the fossil industry, some of whom might actually have connections to political parties. And you question them like, hey, are you, are you doing everything you can on climate policy? And is mm. there any way I can... I can help. And I really liked what you said at the start as well about asking back this question, not just us telling people what to do, but more what is everyone's unique place of influence. Like everyone has this a completely unique place because exactly. no one can influence the people around you like you can. If I tell it, like I'm just a stranger to most people, but if I tell yeah. my mom something, she's going to be like, okay, well, I mean, maybe my mom is also, no. she also has her own opinion, but she will listen. No, but you're well. right because <laughs> yeah. I, I, we've been working with um, psychologists as well uh, because yeah, it was, of course, in the daily process, there is also many times about strategy, what actually works the best and I'm lucky to work with a, a psychologist there that 
can tell me how the brain is functioning and how can you can you convince people better and this what they said we were working on the on the elex- uh, presidential election not for a specific uh, person but like for more for how can we make sure that young people go for for voting because old people basically vote more for for right-wing people that do not care about climate change and so we found out a study that told us that um the best way to actually make pe- want someone change is by the kids so we made a whole campaign that um that we asked people to call their grandparents saying please vote for me uh i'm going to to face the effect of the decision that are going to be taken for the five coming years so please vote for me and vote this one this one this one which were the the person that uh, most ngos uh, so like said they were the the most uh, engaged in climate change issues and it works so well like it, this is the one of the most powerful thing that, that we could have done for for changing uh, people vote and we get like tones of message of people saying okay this is the first time my grandmother actually changed his vote and so i'm so that was that was really powerful so what you say is, is super true and just like yet finish um also the um, what i feel as a climate activist is that we are just organizing um some s- organizing a society where it's easier to act for climate action to take climate action as a, as, as a society as as a citizen i would say so what you say is, is so much that i mean we're just organizer I feel like we uh, have the capacity to put people in contact, you know, having the people working inside banks with the data scientists, with the, with the people on the ground, with farmers, with stuff. And we are just at the middle of this and trying to coordinate all these actions so that people feel in power. And it's super, super important for me. What is key is like to make people not feel hope or, or scares and something not about this is like, They, they they actually believe and feel inside themselves that they do have power because what they're, they're like our um, government and what like uh, the fossil fuel industry and so everyone was so good at doing is that make us feel that we can't do anything that there's no other road that there's no other path that this is the only way we can and that we we are we, we have to just see our life passing without doing and saying nothing for the kids and that it's the way it is and it's too big it's too long it's too complicated and for me what, what I feel that is so powerful is when people say oh wow I did not know we can actually do this we've been doing this we are like 10 people and we just make change like for instance we won one of the big biggest thing of my my activist career i would say we went uh my emmanuel macron saying that he are going to stop deep sea deep sea mining and since months ago he said that uh, he was really in favor of deep sea mining and we we started we were like 10 people and then the people that just joined said no wow i sent an email i thought that it would never works and at the end when they see that we actually made it it requires time so much energy so much strategy and stuff it's not like one story that would change the world for sure but still they realize that it can happen and that gives them so much power that they want to never stop yeah yeah i think that's a beautiful lena do you want to add something on the finance of activists because i think it's really really new yeah. on in france well it's super new we we couldn't even imagine this was existing yeah so i think When I started with my climate activism myself, one of the first questions I got from my parents and the people around me was, how am I gonna gonna finance myself, right? Like taking a job next to it might work for a while, but not really for the long term. So I'm really happy to now started working for an organization that, that tries to support climate activists. And I realized now by talking to other people in my field that it's actually a growing field. So 
within philanthropy, so the whole field of, of supporting, uh, like giving donations to charity, there's now more and more interest in activists actually because of the success of the youth movements. So if people have seen Greta and seen her get super popular and, and global and everyone's like, ooh, I, I want to give my money to Greta. But then, of course, Greta already has quite some funding right now. So now I'm very happy that people start looking beyond that and start questioning how can we uh, support activists. So we... We only work, the foundation I work for, on a basis where we look for the people that we're trying to support. And for us, it's really two ways. Like, we're looking for activists that are already doing great work in changing policy, in putting public pressure. Um, and then we work with them to see how they can adopt policies even more strategically. So I help them with their strategy. I help them with how they do their activism. And it's really simple things. Like, already a few thousand euro can help for an activist group. Because most of them still don't get paid from us. Like it's it's small grants sometimes, but it can be for like printing flyers. So to have some funding for that. It can be to organize capacity. Like for example, in Europe, you have in the Western part of Europe, in the Netherlands, France, Belgium, there's quite some big movements. But in Eastern Europe, it's not just that the movements are small, it's also that the government is actively funding against climate movements. So they give youth who are anti-climate, they give them funding and they can build their cases. So that's why we try to focus partly on influential countries like the Netherlands and France, but we also try to focus on countries where the climate movement is really small, just to give them training as well, to let, for example, Greenpeace help them. And I think the this part of activism is very often underestimated. Um, also now with the youth movements, the idea that you have to train yourself to be an activist and to learn from uh, generations above you as well. But I think we'll, we'll, we'll keep fighting and keep doing it. And uh, it was really cool to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you for this one.